0: you are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Kiss One Another, is part six in the series, Community, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, what a great time of worship we've had already today. Uh, thank you again for being here. And at this time in the service, it's my privilege and my duty to ask you to open your Bible and we're going to open God's Word together. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 is our text today. And so please find 2 Corinthians, and it's the very last chapter of that book, chapter 13. And we're going to focus today on verse 12. Now, Uh, I had planned on ending this series of sermons called Community last week, but I believe God had another plan, and that is that we would extend it all the way through the month of November. And so that's the plan. Uh, And so let me remind you what it's all about when we talk about community. The Bible informs us that the Christian life is not meant to be lived out Alone in isolation, but rather in community and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The vision of the New Testament church is that we have a close bond together, that we love meeting together. We need each other in the family of God. And so what we find is that the Bible affirms that Following Jesus is not only about believing, it is also about belonging to one another and having that sense of community and fellowship with other Christians. Uh, the truth is, we need each other in the family of God. We need one another to, uh, to draw us back into the fold when we are drifting away. We need others to prop us up when we are weak We need to know that uh, I'm praying for you and you're praying for me. Uh, We need to partner with each other in sharing the gospel. And other believers need us to encourage them and to spur on their faith. New Christians, of course, need mature Christians to take them under their wing and to walk with them and show them how to follow Christ. We all need this network of Christ centered, grace filled relationships that we find in the family of God so that we're all supported and we are all loved. And the secret that I've found of building that sense of community around you is to make sure that you're providing that for other people. That's the secret. You focus on providing that love and that support for others, and you will find yourself surrounded with the love and support of brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we've been looking at the one another commandments in the New Testament. There are 59 of them that we read that are addressed to to do for one another in the family of God. And those are the building blocks of community that God has given us in His Word. Uh, There are 59, as I said, and so I've just prayed that the Lord would, would help me, guide me to focus on the ones that we most need to hear here at First Baptist Church, last month, we talked about love one another and serve one another and bear with one another and exhort one another. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll look at the commandment to not judge one another and uh, to not provoke one another and also to confess to one another. But today, the one another command that we're going to look at is mentioned not once or twice or three times or four times but five times in the bible it speaks to the importance of this command and it's kiss one another have you ever heard a sermon about kissing here goes we find it in second corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. This is the very end of a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, a church that was uh, divided, a church that uh, was uh, embroiled in, in a lot of conflict and, and controversy. And so he writes to them to uh, be united To follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He he writes to encourage their fealty to the gospel of Christ. Uh, But then, as he ends his letter, he makes this statement in verse 12. It says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, that's repeated four more times in the Bible those exact same words are used in Romans 16:16 16, 16. greet one another with a holy kiss same words in 1 Corinthians 16:20 greet one another with a holy kiss it's worded a little differently by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2:6 when he says greet all the brethren with a holy kiss and then a little differently by the apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5:14 he says greet one another with a kiss of love. I believe it has the same meaning. Now, uh, you may look at that and say, come on, pastor, really? We all know that those are just little unimportant comments at the end of these biblical epistles. Uh, That's just a customary way that they would conclude a letter. Like we would say, tell everybody, hey. They would say, greet one another with a holy kiss so that's just a little throwaway phrase, isn't it? It doesn't have any meaning for me. But wait, wait just a minute. We believe that all Scripture is inspired by God. And all Scripture is profitable to teach us, 2 Timothy 3.16. We believe that God meant every word He said. And therefore, there are no throwaway words in the Word of God. We believe that when when the Lord says, greet one another with a holy kiss, He did not say that for nothing. He said it for something, to teach us something. And so uh, think of it this way. In the list of the one another commands, only one of them is repeated more than this one, and that is the command to love one another. We read that 21 times. But five times, the Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So how should we understand this? I think we can begin by uh, considering the different ways that kissing happens in the Bible. Here are some kinds of kisses in the Bible. Number one, I think about the romantic kiss. We see that in God's Word. In fact, Scripture affirms the beauty of romantic love and that the physical expression of love between a man and a woman is something that God has designed. And so when a man and a woman express their love in a pure and God-honoring way with the romantic kiss, that kind of kissing, we find, is something that God can bless The first line, in fact, of the Song of Solomon, the first line of dialogue is the bride saying about her husband-to-be, listen to this phrase, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Wow. That is a God-given, God-honoring desire for that intimate and physical touch that only a kiss can bring. And that is one of the kinds of kissing that is portrayed in the Bible. And I have to tell you, it's one that I really enjoy. (laughs) Like kissing. But that is not the kind of kiss that we read about in 2 Corinthians 13, 12. It must be something else. Another kind of kissing we read about in the Bible is the betrayal kiss. The betrayal kiss. The most infamous kiss in history was when Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord Jesus with a kiss. Judas had agreed to lead the authorities to Jesus for the price of 30 pieces of silver. And Judas said that he would give a signal to the mob that came to arrest Jesus. He would identify Jesus with the symbol of a kiss. Now, we know from history that kisses were a part of culture in that day. Slaves would kiss the feet of their masters. Many times criminals would kiss the feet of a king or a judge as they were begging for a pardon. Great respect could be shown for a dignitary by bowing down and kissing the hem of their garment. But among friends, a kiss on the cheek was a sign of respect and closeness and friendship that's why this is one of the most sickening scenes in all of scripture because Judas didn't have to kiss Jesus he could have just pointed him out and said he's the one you're looking for but instead he walked up to Jesus and he kissed him with a smile on his face and death on his lips, Judas kissed the Lord Jesus with that kiss of betrayal. Uh, but certainly that's not the kind of kissing that we read about in 2 Corinthians thirteen twelve. A third kind that we find in the Bible is the worshipful kiss. Luke chapter 7 tells the story of a sinful woman who crashed the banquet at the home of a Pharisee in order to worship Jesus while he was reclining at the table. The Bible says she came up behind him and and her gratitude and her worship of Jesus overflowed as she began to cry and, and, and her tears fell on the feet of Jesus. The Bible says she washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. It was a very dramatic expression of worship. And then it says, the woman began to kiss his feet in a beautiful act of worship that the others at the table did not understand, but Jesus understood it. And Jesus received that act of worship and he honored the woman for it. And in fact, she is the only one at the banquet who walked away forgiven, and saved. Now, for sure, that is not the kissing that we read about in 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Only Jesus deserves that kind of worshipful kiss. But the next one I I want to mention is one that brings us, I think, closer to the real meaning here, and that is the family kiss. The family kiss. In a family in those days and still today, a kiss is a sign of affection. It's a sign of acceptance and and love. It's a sign of belonging in the family. Think about it. In a family, a, a mother naturally wants to kiss her newborn child the very first moment that she sees that little baby. We teach our children as they grow up to kiss us on the cheek as a sign of love. We teach them to blow kisses to us. We cherish as parents and grandparents even the the sticky peanut butter and jelly kisses of our children because because they're precious to us. Uh, We even show our children who is safe by whom we kiss and we, we teach our children that kisses have some kind of magical healing power as we tell them, come here and let me kiss it and make it better. In a family, a kiss is a powerful thing. It's stronger than a hand we hold. It's stronger even than an embrace. Because a family kiss isn't for strangers. It's only for those who belong to the family. And when you Kiss in a family, it it requires that you get close. It it requires being vulnerable and, and extending trust to someone to get so close to you, so in your personal space that they are touching your face with their lips. That's close. You cannot kiss from a distance. Those kissy face emojis just won't do. That family kiss requires that you are close to each other. A family kiss is an expression of love in many ways. A kiss can say, welcome to the family, to a newborn baby or to a new son-in-law or daughter-in-law. A kiss can say, I wish you didn't have to go. And a kiss can also say, it's so good to see you again. A kiss can communicate, You are precious to me. And a kiss can even mean I forgive you as we kiss and make up. In the Old Testament, if you survey what the Old Testament teaches about the family kiss, you'll find that a family kiss was a special part of the story when when family members reunite after being separated by time or distance or hard feelings. For instance, when the twins, Esau and Jacob, were reunited after years of broken relationship, the Bible says that Esau, when he saw his brother, he ran to him, threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. When Joseph was reunited with his brothers who had sold him into slavery, the Bible says he kissed each of his brothers as he cried. When King David was reunited with his son Absalom, Absalom bowed down before his father and his father picked him up and the Bible says he kissed him. In the New Testament, the most famous parable of Jesus involves a family kiss. When Jesus tells the story of the young man who leaves home and wastes his inheritance in wild living he finally comes to his senses in the hog pen and he decides, I'm going to go home. And when he goes home in shame, he finds his father not only waiting for him with open arms, but his father runs to welcome him home into the family again. And Jesus said that father ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That kiss Said more than the father could have said in a thousand words. That kiss was a sign of forgiveness and grace and restoration. And that kiss tells us more about the heart of God for a lost sinner than perhaps anything else in the Bible. The family kiss. I think understanding the family kiss helps us to understand the special kind of kiss mentioned in. In 2 Corinthians 13, 12, that is for our spiritual family. The Apostle Paul called it the holy kiss. Church history tells us that the holy kiss was practiced by early Christians as a sign of unity and affection in the family of God. It was like a family kiss in that it was totally non-sexual, a kiss on the cheek, most of the time, given male to male, female to female, perhaps to uh, uh, between the sexes, but always in a holy way. Paul called it the holy kiss because it was a kiss uh, that was pure and sincere and given and received in the name of Jesus a holy kiss. Now, a kiss of greeting was common among family and friends in the culture of 1st uh, century Corinth when Paul wrote this letter. But I have to tell you the kind of holy kiss that he is talking about that kind of greeting would have been a radical statement of love in that church for this reason. That, that church in Corinth was, was a mixture of, of uh, slaves and masters who had both come to faith in Christ and now they're a part of the family of God It was a mix of of rich and poor, different social strata represented there. And it was a mixture of both Jews and Gentiles right there in the same church. And that was a problem because Jews typically looked at Gentiles as unclean swine. And Gentiles looked on Jews as being self-righteous scum. But in Christ they saw each other in a different light. Because of the gospel of Jesus, had, 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 it had transformed those two groups from enemies into friends and into family. And so they began this practice of greeting each other even though they were worlds apart in the eyes of the outside community. Uh, they, they greeted each other like family, like brothers and sisters in Christ, with a holy kiss. It was radical. The holy kiss was also given in the early church when someone had drifted away in sin, but they had repented and returned to the fellowship. Normally this happened in the setting of sharing the Lord's Supper together. And that person would would confess, they would repent, and then they would be forgiven and received back into the church family by every person in the room coming up to them and exchanging with them the holy kiss. When a new believer was baptized in the early church, they received the holy kiss from everyone who was a witness to that baptism. Uh, When two members of the church had been divided by conflict, but then they reconciled, they would also exchange the holy kiss. It was a beautiful thing in the early church. A beautiful thing. But what do we do with this here in 2023 in East Tennessee? If this is a command of God repeated five times in the Bible, then how should we obey and apply that command right here and right now in our church? I mean, should I say every Sunday, hey, before I preach, Go around and kiss everybody in the room. Uh, Should we add some holy kissers to our greeting team? Anybody want to sign up for that team? Should we offer kissing classes here at church? Should, Should we set up a kissing booth in the foyer? I don't think so. But at the very least, here's what I take away. At the very least... Hanging out at this verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 13, 12, for a while this morning ought to at least remind us of a few important things that I think will change our hearts toward one another. Number one is we just ought to be reminded in this that we are family in the church. We are family. Here, we are more than friends We are family because as Christians, we share the same Father. And if you share the same Father, that means that you're a brother and a sister in Christ. We are forever siblings here, eternal siblings in the Lord here in the church. And and we're supposed to think of each other in those terms and treat each other in that way that we share the same Father and the same Faith, And that means we are family in Christ. I love how the Apostle Paul used that kind of language over and over again. For a Christian, it just kind of flows off the tongue very easily because it's so true. For instance, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Listen to how Paul speaks. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. That's the way it goes in the family of God, because we are family. We we say that we are family. We speak to each other in family terms. And and that means also, next, that we love each other. This command, greet one another with a holy kiss, repeated five times, ought to at least remind us that we are family and we love each other in the family of God. The Apostle Peter said this in 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. And then he said, love as brothers. It's a family love we share. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. We're supposed to love like family in the church and be a blessing to one another in the way that we treat each other. So here's how it goes. Peter calls for, for brotherly love. In the love of Jesus, we love one another to the point that, that we remain at all times. And this is, the, this is the vision he casts for us. We remain at all times tender-hearted toward each other. Tender-hearted. That means Not hard-hearted. Not bitter toward each other. Not withholding forgiveness. Not holding grudges against each other. Not ignoring each other. But tenderly loving as brothers. We are called in the family of God to love. We're called to love each other. And so as family... We love each other. And let me leave you with this. We ought to be reminded here that that we all need to feel the love of the family in the church. We all need to feel that love. There's a reason that it's repeated five times in the Bible. To greet one another with a holy kiss. We need to feel it. To feel the love. Now, uh, this may might make you nervous you may not be a toucher you you may not be very physically affectionate you may have grown up in a family that just did not touch or hug very much you may be weirded out by all the talk of kissing today but maybe maybe it's more about the greeting than the physical expression of the holy kiss after all it says greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet is the operative word here. And that word greet in 2 Corinthians 13, 12 translates a Greek word that means literally to draw someone else to you. Isn't that nice? To draw someone else to you. In other words, you have to open up and show your love. The greeting in a Christian sense, means to welcome and embrace, to to acknowledge someone, to to reach out to them. Uh, So maybe the point is that in the family of God, no one should feel left out. No one should feel overlooked. No one should feel lonely. No one should feel unloved, but, but rather everyone ought to feel the love of the family in Christ. It's not something that you just know or say, but something that we all can feel from one another. So all kissing aside, to greet one another means that when we gather for worship, we don't try to slip in at the last minute so we don't have to interact with people. And you don't avoid contact with others and and sort of, rush to your car as soon as the service is over. No. This kind of greeting that Scripture calls for is is stopping to notice people. And and you acknowledge your brothers and sisters in Christ. And and you look particularly for those who who are not being greeted by anyone else. And you smile and and you speak and you introduce yourself and and you, you open up to draw that person in to just a little taste of the love of God that they can feel when it comes from your heart. It's drawing them into a little little gospel interaction with you. And yet, this command goes farther because it does mention the holy kiss. There's a physical expression that is added to our greeting and acknowledging and loving each other and I don't know that it always requires a kiss, because, because you can, every one of us, reach out your hand for a, a heartfelt handshake of fellowship. You, you can all reach out your, your fist for a holy fist bump, or, or a holy bro hug, or, or a pat on the back, or, or just a, a hand on the arm for a moment that just expresses that I love you, and And Jesus loves you. And and can I just say this, with all the tenderness I have as a pastor, if if you tend to avoid greeting others and and you tend to avoid withholding any any physical expression of that, you may want to check your pride. And get over yourself and reach out to these people you're going to spend eternity with. And... And here's what I found. Every time you reach out to someone and you look them in the eye and you share a moment, if that's all it is, and and an encouraging word and and a pat on the back or a hug around the neck or even a holy kiss. Every time you do that to your spiritual siblings, it means, I love you in the Lord. And it means you and I have the same story. Yeah, the details are different, but the story is the same for all of us. I was lost in my sin, just like you were, and and I was far from God, and and I I was facing damnation and the wrath of God for my sin, and yet... In his love and grace, God reached down for me and he saved my soul, not because of any good thing I had done, but out of his love, he saved me and he adopted me into his family. God actually extended to me the greeting of the gospel and said, come on in and be saved and be, be a part of my family forever. And so when we when we interact with each other and greet each other in that way, we're saying, hey, I understand we have the same story. We have the same faith. We have the same Lord. We're sharing the same future hope of heaven together. And so when we do that, we're saying to one another, you are important to me. And this connection is important to me. And I'm just acknowledging that in Jesus' name. You never know what that other person may be going through. You never know how lonely that person might be or how they may not have had any affection or any positive touch all week long between Sundays. And you never know how much it would mean for some people for you to look them in the eye and overlook their past and their sins and their struggles and their weaknesses and their Idiosyncrasies, and just simply express the love of Jesus to them in your word and and with your touch. Here's what's interesting and different about the family of God. In the family of God, when we see those who are outside of the family, we are compelled to bring them inside the family, aren't we? We're compelled with those who are not connected to Christ. They are not saved. We're compelled by the love of Jesus to extend the greeting of the gospel to them, to extend our friendship to them, to draw them into the family and see them uh, turn from being a stranger to being family in the family of God. And and so, so this is what drives us as believers, that, that we want those inside the family to feel the love. We want those outside of the family to become family and, and they join in with the rest of us. And uh, so here's what I'd like for us to do. Uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to express your love on the way out to greet someone. It'll be interesting to see how you do that. Before that, we need to have a time of prayer and and response to the Lord. So let me ask you to please stand with me. Let's stand together. And will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for this command. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords who condescended to come down to earth and to extend to us the greeting of the gospel so that we might be saved and become a part of His family forever. Lord, we thank You for the gospel of Christ. I pray that if there's someone here who is outside the family of God, that today would be the day they get that settled, that they respond, Lord, to Your love by turning to Jesus in faith. And Lord, I pray they would be saved today. Lord, for those of us who are already in the family, we we need you to teach us to love like you love. Teach us to open our hearts to one another so that the result would be others would see how we love here. And they would know that we are your disciples. And that we would be known for a place where no one is overlooked, no one is lonely, no one is unloved. Lord, we pray you would make that so by your Spirit. Lord, just knit us together in your love. So many times, Lord, we are just closed off. I pray you'd open our hearts to one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you look this way? Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.